Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so Isn't much science to disprove the Bible? Good. How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? Hi, everyone. I hope your summer is going well and we're continuing on in our study of the Old Testament, looking at God and his character and our lives and how we fit all of that together. And today we are in the story of David and uh, the early life of David before he becomes king, but after he has been anointed, after Goliath, and we're at a point where Saul is uh, chasing him. He's trying to hunt him down. He's actually trying to kill him. Uh, so the existing king is trying to kill the future king, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But uh, the issue really, uh, I think, that we can pull together is this. Um, and all of us have dealt with this at some point in our lives. Uh, what happens when you're in a situation where you feel like you're doing everything right, but it's just not going like you thought it would? You know, uh, when things are happening, but not on the schedule that you would like them to happen on. I mean, think about it. We've all had those in our lives, haven't we? Your, your career, uh, you thought it was going in this direction and it's not so much. Uh, your finances, you've been honoring God with them and yet uh, there isn't enough. And, and it's not because you're not being generous, it's, it's just because there's not enough. Or you're in a relationship and you thought that that relationship was perhaps, you know, the one that was going to be a lifetime relationship or a child in relationship is going sideways when you have prayed and you have honored God and you have done things right, right from the beginning. And you're left with this kind of feeling like, you know, God, I've prayed, I've honored you, I've done my thing. Have you forgotten me? What about me, God? Do you, do you notice what I'm going through? We've all had times in our lives like that and we will have times again like that where you know you're on a path that takes you in a direction that you didn't think it would go and you're trying to honor God on that direction it's a huge temptation that many of us uh, if we're not careful can fall into a situation where we take matters into our own hands and that's what David is struggling with uh, today what happens when life isn't going the way you thought and you are tempted to take matters into your own hands to maybe compromise and do something that we know we shouldn't do in order to get us to where we think God would have us go. Maybe where even he has promised us to go. There's a tension there, right? A tension between where we are, where we thought we should be, where we think we need to be, and taking matters into our own hands to get there. In 1 Samuel chapters 24 through 26, there are actually three stories from David's life that make that point. We're going to just look at one of them today, but they all say essentially the same thing. And we're going to come to that conclusion in just a few minutes. 1 Samuel 24, here's the context. Uh, things are not going well in David's life. Uh, I mean, they have gone really well. He was anointed to be king years ago when he was a boy, and then he went back and tended the sheep for a while until his big moment came in his battle with Goliath. And after Goliath, David, as we know, becomes a national hero. Uh, he marries the king's daughter, King Saul's daughter. Uh, he lives near or in the palace. He's a part of Saul's um, group of people around him that are supporting him. And because David is so successful... Saul becomes very threatened by that. And in fact, he becomes insanely jealous with the attention that David is given. Uh, and so he throws a spear at him and tries to kill him and chases him away. He gives his daughter that he gave to David as David's wife, Michael, uh, to someone else. Uh, gives her away again. He, he publicly trashes David's reputation in the eyes of the country. 
he, he tries to have him assassinated and David has to flee. And he's done nothing wrong. Uh, and so David does flee and Saul chases him around in the wilderness. And in this particular case, in uh, chapter 24 of 1 Samuel, Saul hears that David and the group of followers he has gathered around him are in this wilderness place called En Gedi. And so Saul takes 3,000 of his best soldiers and he hunts for David out in the middle of this area. And if you know the story, it's, it's a bit of a, a wry story. Uh, Saul comes to a cave and he says, just a minute to his 3,000 men, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Actually, he goes in to relieve himself. And wouldn't you know it, as he goes and puts his armor, takes his armor off and puts his spear down and squats over a rock, I guess, uh, David and his men are in the back of the cave. And in verse 4 of chapter 24, the men uh, that David is with say, David, here is your opportunity. The Lord has delivered your enemy into your hands, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you to do. It's one of those moments where the people around David are saying, it's God's will. Take him out. You'll become king. God has promised you this anyways. And so David picks up his knife. And the Bible implies that he goes near to Saul as if perhaps he is going to kill him. But when he gets close, somewhere in his spirit, as David approaches him, God's spirit says, wait, David, don't murder the king. And David is conscience stricken. And he says, how can I murder God's anointed? I can't do it. I can't do it. And so he cuts off a corner of Saul's garment and Saul leaves the cave and then David confronts Saul and we'll get to that in just a minute. But here's the lesson. The lesson I think for us is this. It's easy to confuse our own personal desires with God's will when we rely only on our circumstances. And that's what David was tempted to rely upon. The circumstances that I think God put in his way to see how David would respond. Saul in a cave, defenseless. David there waiting to take his life, uh, perhaps, if he chooses to. And David is given this set of circumstances where he could become king. He could kill the king. He's the anointed one next, but he doesn't. He doesn't. And I think the lesson again for us is, yeah, if we rely on circumstances, uh, we might get to the place where we think we should be. But are we really obeying God in that? No, not really. You see, killing Saul would solve so many of David's problems, wouldn't it? I mean, David had been promised the throne. Saul was guilty of chasing him around. Saul was not an honorable king. He had lost God's favor. David knows all that. Uh, but then when Saul leaves the cave and David uh, steps out as Saul is gone, maybe a few hundred feet away, and he says, Saul, Saul, and Saul turns around and sees him. He says, why do you listen to the words of men who say, David seeks to do you harm? Behold, Saul, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you to me today. Some people told me to kill you, but I spared you. And he shows them the piece of cloth that he has actually cut off the corner of Saul's royal robe. And the Bible says that Saul actually broke down and wept. He was probably badly shaken that he could have lost his life. But then he also says, David, you're a better man than me. Your character is better than mine. And the Bible says that actually uh, David uh, was then left alone by Saul for a while. Saul gave him a time of peace. David's choice was to take matters into his own hands or to trust God and wait. And one person put it this way as I was reading about this uh, this week. Uh, the biggest enemy in David's life was actually not Saul, but the temptation not to wait on God for David's time that God had already ordained. And again, I think that's another lesson for us. Waiting is perhaps 
one of the most important skills that we learn as we draw close to God and close to Jesus Christ. It's true, isn't it? Waiting upon God can be hard. When you've prayed and when you've honored God and when you've done your very best and, and yet the answer hasn't come yet. Your moment hasn't arrived yet. Things have gone sideways in the sense of how you thought they were going to go. And you're left at a place going, God, are you really there? God, was this really the direction that you had me go and I've honored you all the way? God, is, is this your promise and is it really going to become a part of my life? In Psalm chapter 57, David uh, wrote a story, or actually a psalm, uh, about his time in the cave with Saul. And listen to what he says, verse 1. He says, Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Do you hear that? I could take matters into my own hands, but I take refuge, God, under your wings. Verse 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. I'm not going to vindicate myself. I'm going to let God vindicate me. I'm going to let God control my life and my reputation. He sends from heaven and he saves me. He says in verse 3, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. Saul had been rebuked in that moment. He realized that David could have killed him. And the rebuke to Saul was that, Saul, I'm still walking around you. Be careful. Rebuking those who hotly pursue me, God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. So, in verse 5, be exalted, God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And I think that's where the Bible, as it says, David was a man after God's own heart. We truly see that. You see, David could have just put his own glory into play. He could have killed Saul, become the king that day, and gone into Jerusalem with the glory of being the newly anointed uh, and finally brought to the, to the throne king. He'd been anointed years before, but he, took, he could have taken up his throne that day. But he said, no, God, I'm going to exalt you above myself. Above all the heavens, God, let your glory be over all the earth. The backbone of obedience is confidence in God's promises and in his steadfast love for us. And if you're struggling with that, if you're not confident in the goodness of God, that is where you and I will become anxious and we will be tempted to take matters into our own hands and fall prey to our enemy. Let me ask you today, where are you perhaps taking matters into your own hands? Where are you falling prey to the enemy's temptation in your life to not trust in God for your future, for your present today and for your future tomorrow? The Bible also says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Let his glory be exalted above all the earth, in David's words, and God will make your path straight. He will direct you, and he will care for you, and he will be that foundation that you need in life. Don't be tempted to take matters into your own hands. Wait upon the Lord and his good plans for you. Trust in him. Give your life to him and all that you have to him. He will guide you. And he will bring that peace that you are longing for and looking for. And his promises are yes and amen in your life. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are always walking with us. And that, God, your patience is something uh, for your will that we also need to learn in our lives. And your will for our lives. God, you are a patient God. And so may we learn your patience and also be a patient people for the things around us, for the prayers that we have for others, 
Father, for your world that you are redeeming, Lord, may we see you at work. May we join you in what you're doing, but may we not take matters into our own hands, but wait upon you and your leadership. And may you show your leadership clearly to us where we become confused. May you make it clear and plain to us, both individually and together as a church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Have an awesome summer afternoon.